0: Welcome to another episode of Inside the Squad. Today is episode three with the Chief. We go on to detail about the rigorous application process for police officers. Enjoy.
1: Departmentalize, Ian. Take a
2: deep breath. Open us up, Ian. Just bury it deep down, resolve it later. <laughs> <laughs> I
3: like it. Don't ever, don't ever try to fix it. That's true. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and away we go. All right, Chief. Episode three. This is turning
2: into a Star Wars series.
0: Mm-hmm. Episode three. So What are we talking about out. today?
2: Well, I thought today we would talk about what it actually takes to hire a police officer. Because I, th- I think there's a lot of misinformation that's out there, or, or maybe even some general assumptions that are just not true in uh, – Maybe we walk through this process just a little bit to to show why recruitment, why recruiting is so important, why retention is important, and why all these issues have very long term impacts and very long lasting impacts on a police department's ability to provide public safety to their communities. Lafayette is no exception. There, we uh, in the last five years we've seen a significant decrease in the number of applications that have been coming in to the police department. And that has been a trend that holds true nationwide. It is a very pressing issue. In December of 2019, there was a a meeting in Washington, D.C. that was uh, convened to talk about this specific subject and what we can do as local municipalities, as states, and as a country to improve uh, recruitment and improve retention for police officers. So I well, think we could probably start at just step one. Is, recruiting. What does it take to be a police officer?
0: Oh. Well, there's a lot. Of, there's a laundry list of things that it takes to be a police officer. Um, first and foremost, you have to be 21 years old.
2: Is that for every...
0: Agency through the nation. Do you know if there's any that are younger?
2: Well, in Indiana, it is.
0: So in Indiana, you got to be 21. Uh, you can't be a felon. Most misdemeanors, you cannot have. Right. So, uh, no criminal criminal history. Um, you must be in good shape because our uh, you know all the things you have to be able to do on the job. Um, uh, so no physical limitations, um, help me out here.
1: Yeah, no, I, 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 you're, you're hitting on a lot of the preliminary common ones. sense. I, yeah. I mean, I, I think when you take a, when you take a look at, you know, for us as a Lafayette police department and the people that we're looking for, uh, we want those people that, uh, are of high moral character mm-hmm. that, uh, that, that integrity. have, have the disposition, uh, to deal with a wide range of uh, situations that they're going to encounter. You know, we have a very diverse community and, um, you know, there's the, the different, the different layers to the process that we have here is comprehensive and it's exhaustive. And those that make it to the end are the type of people that we're wanting to hire. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you could start with the, the written test and the, and the, and the physical agility test, which is kind of a basic standard, um, which uh, the Indiana law enforcement Academy you know ex- as far as the, the the physical testing portion of it sets out but you know the the deep dive that we do in the background investigation the polygraph examination um, the, the captain board interview process that they go through the pension board interview the 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 independent um, uh, merit board that's composed of citizens of the community uh, the interview that they have to go through there it's you know there's a lot of steps to it you know and i think one of the things that's kind of stuck out to me that's that is that i haven't liked you know on, on a national level that that you're that you're hearing a lot is people throwing out oh uh, well you know 6 months of training and then you're a police officer and that's it that that couldn't be further from the truth and you know the you know the training that they go through just in inside the, the, the you know the police department itself here at LPD is exhaustive and then then they go to the academy you know, which is three months, then they come back and go through additional training and then they're evaluated once they are released from the program. And that's, that's well over a year. I think it needs to be said though, to be fair, you're talking about us
0: and that, you know, we give all that training, but there are a lot of agencies out there that don't have the money and the time and the resources to provide the training that we give. They do, we go above and beyond, Right. And there's a lot True. of agencies that just don't have the ability to do so. And I think that needs to be known because if they want, uh, you know, their officers, they being, you know, city, whatever state, uh, you know, they shouldn't be looking to defund. They need to throw more money towards the police to give them the proper training so they are prepared for the unknown and unknow- unknowable, you know, that needs to be known. Uh It's just it's unfortunate, but again, it boils down to money and time and, and the resources. And I feel bad for the officers that don't get that training that we get, you know, because then they're putting in situations to where maybe they don't have the experience and the training to properly, uh, you know, make the proper decision. So, and yeah, I mean, partly it's on them, but it's partly on the agency, the city, you know? And, uh, so that's what you need to look into. It's, it's more training, it's more money. And, uh, we are very fortunate that we get, Above and beyond training, but we can even use more, right? Everybody can always use more training experience. Yeah,
1: I I think that's a good point, Ian, and I I think it's it's one that maybe I hadn't thought about enough uh, when you hear these conversations that are being had at the national level. Because you're right, there are probably agencies out there that you know, within six months, there are officers that are out there on the street on their own.
0: Valid point, and they're expected to do, and, and rightfully so. I get it; they're expected to make the same decisions as you know, that big agency that gets all that training and whatnot and, and they're getting confronted with the same things. They may be on a, you know, um, not as much volume as, as the bigger municipalities, but you know, they're confronted with the bad guy with a gun, right? They're confronted with the same stuff we are. Um, and as you know, New York or Chicago or wherever, and they're expected to make the same inappropriate decisions, but, uh, you know, safe
2: to say, I think in Indiana, the minimum requirement uh, is based on the Indiana Law Enforcement Academy's curriculum, which is pretty exhaustive. Um, I do sit on the Law Enforcement Training Board, um, and I'm very pleased with the curriculum that we do have. Uh, it's but we're just like any other profession, right? Uh, how do you? We would love to have a, I think a, a six month academy. Or yep. even longer, and you know maybe these are discussions for for the future. But let's let's just kind of let's walk this through step by step, just to give people an understanding or an idea of the hiring. If we if we have an opening today, like right now, we currently do have eight openings that we're look that we're going to be looking to fill. Um, one of the first questions you have to be 21 years of, of age, and you have to have uh, high school. Um, uh, you have to be a high school graduate or uh it's equivalency so there's step one so uh what are the type of people that you look for um is it ideal for us to hire a 21 year old kid right at, I think it's not a kid it's a 21 year old adult whether he or she's just coming right out of the military or maybe they went uh, from from high school straight into college um, i think it depends on the person honestly i mean we see these debates all the time, right? Who makes the best cop? Is it is it the veteran uh, who's who's got a background and proven work history and disciplinary and discipline history? Um, discipline meaning individual discipline, uh, or is it the college graduate? Uh, is it both? Is it neither? And uh, we used to have these conversations all the time, and I think it's safe to say that. It's all of the above and sometimes it's none of the above. I think 21 is young to be a police officer and we do have some people that we feel comfortable with that they have based on life experiences uh, and they have a advanced level of maturity but my preference would always be the 25 to, to a thirty-year-old that's had some life experience before they came into this profession, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be a better officer. So, right off the bat, right who makes who makes the best officer? Well, you know, the answer is we don't know. Um, so, what we have to do is 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 screen and try to find the best people that we can, and the people that meet the minimum requirements. And so minimum may. When you say minimum, well, you, I don't want people to immediately go to well. We're doing as little as possible to get them hired because the the ability to make the minimum standards is pretty impressive because we screen out nine over over ninety percent of our applicants. So if we get ten applications for one opening, we we know that we're, we're at least we're hoping for one applicant in that group that's going to make it all the way through the process. Mm So let's go step-by-step through that. What's the first thing you have to do? Well, first thing is recruiting.
1: Well, you got to fill an application.
2: That's the first step. Right. Someone has to – they have to have the desire. Is our application short or long?
1: It is
0: 30-plus pages. Yeah, it's long. I think it's it's up there.
2: Yeah,
1: and it's designed that
2: way.
0: Yeah, there's essays. There's a, a document you have to get notarized. There's
2: transcripts, and-, and we do that right up front because we want number one, it's a commitment on somebody's part. We don't want people that are thinking, "Yeah, hey, you know, maybe I'll try this police stuff out." Fill out a one-page application and go on. We want people that already know this is this is a calling and this is a commitment that they're willing to make. But we also need to capture a lot of information about them because. If they make it through the first few steps, then we're going to do a deep dive into their life, and we're going to look at uh, we're going to un unturn a lot of stones to make sure that they've filled out everything accurately uh, and honestly on that application. So long long application. Then then what do you have to do?
1: We've got our written exam and
2: our physical standards test. Okay, and who 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 does our who who. Prepares our written exam.
0: We have a third-party company that comes in and administers the test. So
2: and so we we do that because we want to make sure that we have a fair test, right? That's approved by the state. So we're you know it's it's going to eliminate things like bias and others. So when so it, we, we at the end of this we have a test that's defensible, and so that's why we use uh, standard for our testing. Mm-hmm. And most, I think most agencies in the state do that. So they come, they take that written exam, um,
0: take a break and then they do the physical, which is done as a whole, a whole group. So uh, I think there's even transparency there as far as the standard that we hold for all the exercises you have to do. Cause everybody's watching everybody and uh, everybody gets, A fair chance at it and
2: uh so you have the 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 indiana law enforcement academy has standards that people must meet to graduate from the academy Mm -hmm. we have taken a position here at lpd that we're not going to hire someone that isn't already at that standard because this isn't the crossfit episode that we've done in the past but got a few of us in here uh we recognize that physical fitness and i think the general public recognizes the the need for physically fit officers because physically this job is demanding mm-hmm. so
0: one well, should be noted too if they can't pass that minimum like you're saying they can't the graduate, academy, they don't they become can't. a police officer
2: so we don't want to spend we don't want to make the investment time because it costs to send money to, right you got to pay to uh, to to do those tests they're not free and so, that's it's an investment on our part looking for these these applicants. So, we want to quickly, you know, this is just our strategy, right? We just want to quickly screen out who might, you know, who might not even make it through that part. And do we think that the standards are very challenging? No.
3: We think I mean, these are minimum
2: standards, right? Yeah. These are not uh, maximum standards, but you have to be able to do 25 push ups, uh, sit ups a 300 meter run in a certain time and a mile and a half run in a certain time. And you have to have a vertical leap, I think 14 inches, 16, 16 inches. I'm sorry. Yeah. So,
0: and I, real quick, I think it should be noted. It's not only an investment for us, but our community, right? Cause I mean, this is taxpayers money and also people we take are the ones serving and protecting. So, uh, the process is, isn't just for us. It's not just for us. It's for everyone involved.
2: So when people ask, you know, one of the first questions that I always get, what do I need to do uh, in order to be a police officer? And sometimes you can look at somebody and you can clearly tell that they're not in good physical condition. And and you explain to them what the standards are. And we've seen it time and time again. They show up, they do a good job on the written test, and then they, they get 23 push-ups or less. And they're washed out of the process, and there there's a lot of disappointment that comes in that. But you know, the standard is the standard. You knew it in advance. If you you're either prepared or you're not, and and it yeah. in the in the testing phase, I, I don't have the data right in front of me, but uh, how many how many on a let's just go general percentages? Uh, how many people out of a hundred? Generally, will not pass the written examination.
0: Uh, I don't like I said uh, when we spoke it. last week. The whole testing process period, because <laughs> we just had it what two weeks ago. You I know, would some say over are time, different,
2: right? Every group is going to be a little bit different. You might get, uh, you know, one group where everyone passes the written test or close to it, and then another where thirty or forty percent don't.
0: I would say if I had to guess, thirty percent on average is remaining after that first day.
2: Yeah, I would agree. So right at right off the bat here, you go from on average, we're talking averages here. Uh, you're going to have a percentage that don't pass the written test. So they're washed out. And then we get to the physical fitness portion and you have to pass every part of the physical test, not, uh, and we have people that show up that, that are just kind of hoping that they're going to make it through or, um, or not, you know, yeah. 24 is 24. It's not 25. And that's with, you know, good range of motion, chest to the ground. These are not the half push ups that you see people doing on television, you know, or, or, or YouTube videos. They got to be good push ups. The standards are evaluated and, and either you make it or you don't. So 70%. So we're down to, we're down to 70 officers. So what's, you know, what's, what's next? What's, what can uh, generally, uh, be, uh, no, I'm saying,
0: I think we're down to 30. If we have a hundred, we're, we're thirties left. We usually, there's quite a few people that get washed out. It seems in that first group. Well, I mean, what are you talking
1: think? about? the written, Like if we had a hundred physical as well,
0: well, I'm just the whole first day. Okay, yeah. And that first day, if we have a hundred people, you have about 30 that are left from my experience in the last several that I've been a part of. I mean, there's, there's quite a few that get washed out. Now it's either one or the other. Usually, um, but that's the number that i've i've so here's, you know better captain
2: here, here's a good time to throw in a, a little data here for you too so i i represent i'm on the national advisory board for a group called fight crime and invest in kids and they're a, sub, a subsidiary for a council for a stronger america great organization amazing they have uh, five groups that they really work with. And, uh, one of the other groups, the fight crime is, is, is really law enforcement oriented, uh, chiefs of police from around the country where we, uh, advocate for programs that invest in children as a long-term strategy to help reduce, uh, criminality down the road, get to give kids the best chance right up front. Another one of the groups that they work with is called Mission Readiness, and that is a group that's made up of retired admirals and generals uh, from the United States military. Uh, two years ago, they, they issued a report that called the the physical preparedness of the American youth a national security crisis because uh, – and. Tom, maybe you can weigh in here. I know you're a veteran. Seven out of 10 males age 18 to 25 right now, seven out of 10 are ineligible for military service. The primary reason for that is uh, lack of physical fitness. They can't pass the physical fitness test. Uh, And then you throw in other things where you have uh, criminal records, um, you know, maybe a history of, of drug abuse or, uh, some type of physical limitation that prevents them, but seven out of 10 and that's, that's kind of scary. Uh, so I have made that association and we've been talking about that for years is that we see the same thing on the law enforcement side is that, uh, we have people that want to come into this profession that physically, physically are not prepared for the rigors of what the job's going to take and we lose a lot of them right up front. Mm-hmm. So, so well, we're down well, you know it's going to fluctuate between groups. So you're, you're looking at uh, maybe one group you you lose half, maybe one group you lose a third, one group you lose two thirds. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of it's just going to depend on some of the other societal factors that are going on. But let's just say, let's just say for today's purposes, we're, you know, our, our, Candidate pool is now cut in half. So uh, now now we're looking at those applications, right? And now you're looking to see what? What are you looking for, Brian?
1: Well, we're we're looking for a lot of different things. Um, Obviously, within the application, we're looking at, you know, life experience, job experience, uh, education, things of that nature that we're going to make a determination as to which applicants we're going to move on to the
2: next phase. And that's a polygraph exam.
0: Yeah, which is integrity and obviously their history.
2: Yep. So a polygraph. Um, now, not every state is, requires a polygraph. I mean, this is something that our agency has done for at least thirty years, um, if not longer. So, the we, I think we've talked about polygraphs on prior podcasts, but, I, I in short, you know. We're not looking for it's it's not the quote lie detector right. We're not trying to catch you in a lie. What we're looking for is confirmation that you've been forthright and honest, in that you're a, a, a bias-free candidate. You know, we screen for bias in the polygraph. We we're screening for honesty and integrity. Mm -hmm. That's really, that's really, and we're not looking for people that are perfect, right? We're not looking for people that are going to come in and tell us what they think we want to hear. We want to know, are you going to come in here and be truthful because we've got all that information that's coming behind that. And we lose a lot of people at this part Yes, and not, not necessarily because of them being liars, but it's also a lot of things that it's, things that they are honest about and they we, that we they know that we'll find it in a background investigation and so they let us know in advance and some of these things are job disqualifying disclosures that weren't included in the application otherwise they wouldn't even made it to that point they they wouldn't have been given the opportunity to to go to a written test if if we knew in advance that they were disqualified uh, some people try to disclose, you know, they try to hide things like that and get as far along into the process as they can, hoping that they'll squeak through. But we find them. Um, and that. So now now what are we down to? <laughs> uh,
1: we'll probably lose four out of that from the seven if we're going out of ten applicants total. So if we're down to seven and uh, those seven go on the polygraph, we'll, on average we'll lose about four of those.
2: So now we're down to a group of candidates that – um, have made it this far. Um, we believe that they're people of honor, honesty and, and integrity and character. They've met the physical requirements. They've met uh, the academic minimum achievement from the test. And so now we move them on to a background investigation. And oh, Captain. No, no the Captain oh, Board yeah, I'm sorry. I was, I'm out of order. It's okay. Yeah, you know, and we've, we've varied that over the years. Sometimes we've done backgrounds before the captain's board, but, and, you know, this process is subject to change. So I'm just speaking again in generalities, but these are the, these are all the steps that we do go through. Uh, and we, we're not going to reveal any secrets about our, our captain's board interview, but the general makeup of that is our four division captains, our investigations, administrative services, patrol, and, uh, special operations. And now you have a panel interview, and this is the first test of, okay, how, do, how does a person carry themselves? And, and there are very specific questions uh, that we go through. Un, it's not going to be unlike most job interviews that people go through. just want to know a little bit about you, why you're pursuing this career, um, what is it that interests you, and, and is this the right fit? Um, and you know, and, and we're also going to test you a little bit, aren't we? Mm -hmm. There's some tough questions. Right. And, and why, and I, I think it's important that we maybe just talk a little bit about this. Why that's important is because this is, again, just one more part in here is that the, these are the most experienced administrators on the police department that we, that we give this responsibility to people that have that have worked as a patrol officer. They've worked as detectives. They've worked in narcotics and all these other areas and administrative services and in outreach. They've been in all these things and we're looking for the very best people that we can find and people that have, you know, so in that room you have basically a hundred years of police experience dealing with people that, that, you know, interviewing people is what we do for a living. Reading people is what we do for a living. Um so the people that think they're gonna come into that interview and BS their way through it. Yeah.
0: I've never spoke with anybody that come out of there going clicking their heels saying I just crushed that. And if they did, if there is that person, I'm pretty sure we might not see them again because they just they didn't get it. I mean honestly I just It's a
2: good indication of low self awareness, right?
0: Yeah. I mean a low EQ. So but yeah, I think it's a good part of the process to, to
1: weed people out, see who they really are. So if we're down to four, on average, we would probably lose one to two out of those. Yeah. Out, so out we have three. two left.
2: Okay, now we're into the background phase. Yes. So um, what do we do for that?
1: So that's a, that's a really deep dive, and it takes several weeks uh, to do a background investigation the right way on an applicant. Uh, and we'll we'll dive into their work history, their family, friends, social media, teachers. Um, you know, if they were in the military, we'll talk to their commanding officers. We'll talk to those that they've served with. If they come from another agency and they're looking at a lateral transfer, then again, that's that's a, that's another step of a group of people that we'll we'll meet with and talk to, and then. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, we'll find the people that they didn't put down as references. Yeah, that's what I was going to add. So, you know, that, Former those, friends. Those are the, the people that they're not listing on there. We'll find them and talk to them as well.
2: Because nobody puts on their job application, right? The uh, the top three people that hate them the most. Right? I, I hey, know, Go talk to these people. They'll tell you to hire me.
0: I know I chose the right person or I, I found the right person when I make that phone call when they go. They They put me on there? they put me on their application as a reference. No, 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 they did not. I had to ask for your information, you know?
2: So yes. I mean, again, we'll, we'll, we'll try to stay on, on point here, uh, but we
0: dig, we dig deep. We go to former employers. I mean, we contact everywhere we can. Uh, I think it's good to know credit history. You know, we go to financials to make sure that, you know, they don't have some type of motivation to, to steal or, Uh, you know, be deceitful because I mean, we're in a lot of people's homes and businesses and, and, you know, we got to make sure that our partners are doing the right thing when no one's around. So, uh, we really don't leave any stone left unturned.
2: And the reason we do a, uh, such a thorough job screening up to this point too is because this phase is a very important investment on our part. Because if we, if you've made it this far, we think that you, you know, there's a good possibility that you might make it. So, we, we need to know and we need to dig. So if you're from North Carolina, guess what? There's a detective that's getting on an airplane and flying to North Carolina. If you're, if you used to, if you were in the Marine Corps in San Diego, uh, guess who's going to San Diego? Hopefully me. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh come on, those you, know, you
2: know you'd like to go there too. <laughs> and we, and this is particularly important because this is some, one of the things that we we hear this one getting tossed around a lot right now about you know bad apples moving from department to department. You know that it's unfortunate that does happen, but you know you have to put a lot of that is is really falls on the agency. And in the past, uh, early in my career at LPD, you know we you know I I, I you know we had we had a an employee that didn't last very long, uh, that made it through that process. But, um, and, and so it's, it's a lesson learned and we don't, we don't make that mistake anymore. When someone's coming from another agency, there are things that we, we have that we take, that we put into, into place, meaning that we have those applicants sign disclosure agreements that they're going to permit us to go and look into their personnel files, from previous agencies and previous employers and and if they if they're not willing to sign those then they're out of our process because we're not going to hire somebody that we don't we're not 100% confident that we've checked everything that we can check um so we those are things that we do here so if you are listening and you're one of those lateral candidates that's maybe trying to run from a problem at a different agency and come here I'll just tell you right now don't waste your time or ours uh, go somewhere else, um, or stay out of the profession, preferably. So, you know that's, you know that that's an exhaustive and time-consuming process. That's also very expensive. It's not cheap. Yeah. So we've made it through that. So background,
0: if uh, you complete that, I would say sometimes it. Uh, I don't know. It varies. It doesn't you know,
1: vary. Be, like the chief said, be, because the there's so many layers in this process, when you get to the background phase, uh, we occasionally will lose one or two out of a group. So if we have a group of four or five, we might lose one out of that background investigation process. Uh, and sometimes we don't lose any. It, it, you know, So you know, I, I think it's hard to put a percentage number on that particular phase. But the next phase is the, the merit that's board.
2: That's the merit board. And so I'm going to – I'm on a clock. I know you guys aren't, but I want to walk through this process real quick. But this is, this is a very important distinction that most people don't realize is that, uh, Indiana has, uh, Indiana merit law. Um, depending on the size of the city and things, there's some different makeups for how these, how these groups are made up. But this is a group of five civilians. Two of them are voted in by members of the police department by a two-thirds majority. They must reach a two-thirds majority to get voted in. Two of them are appointed by city council. Uh, Of those four people, uh, the two that are appointed by the police department, the members of the police department, um, they can't be of the same political party. So uh, Democrat or Republican, same with city council. They can't appoint two from the same political party. So there has to be balance there. And then the mayor appoints one person. So, in short, the reason we do that is so you have uh, a good balance on your merit board um, that that is a reflective uh, p- political representation of your community. So, those members. Now, we we pre- we prepare packets, hiring packets, and we give them to the merit board members in advance of, of merit board meetings, and those are very thick personnel files everything that we've uncovered in our investigation we present to them they make they do the interviews and at at the end of their interviews they make a determination whether that's somebody that they want to hire or not and they offer what we call a conditional offer of employment it's not the police chief i don't get to hire them all i do uh, is my responsibility to have have applicants prepared and presented to the merit board, and the merit board gets that. And now we're not going to send people to the merit board um, that we don't think are, are really good candidates, right? Um, we're we're going to send them the names, but we're going to give them the packets, and it's up to them to make the decision whether these are somebody that they're going to uh, that they're going to hire, maybe they keep in the process, or maybe maybe they they eliminate them from the process. So once they make it through that. They think, okay, well, now we're home free. No, we're not home free. Now um, we have to send them through a complete physical and psychological evaluation. And we use a third-party vendor for that as well, Public Safety Medical out of Indianapolis. They do a lot of the testing for agencies in Indiana. But it's very comprehensive because this – this package is going to determine whether they get accepted into the Indiana pension fund, this, the police pension fund. So, if you have physical injuries in your past, or maybe you have uh, some problems, you know, some you know, in the psychological evaluation, there's a history of drug abuse or something like that that's uncovered. There's all kinds of reasons. Um, that people can be eliminated there, but we do lose people at that process. Um, once they, and and so, you know, I, I hear people asking, well, we need to screen employees better. We need to screen employees better. Well, I mean, we do a dang good job of screening people and we have a lot of, of checks and balances built into this process. And so once even then, after you get through that process, you go to, uh, a local pension board that's made up of police officers, retired police officers, and, and the mayor uh, is, is sits as the head of, of that pension board by his title and position. And there is one more interview that they have to make it through in order to get accepted into the pension fund. And then only then are they hired. That process takes – if we're really fast, if we're really efficient – 4 months 4 months yeah but on average you're probably looking at 4 to 6 months so if you if if and 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 then just because they're hired that first year they're what we call an at-will employee which means at any point in that first year they're not they're not protected by uh by merit law at that point they have to make it through the training program that's our that's our in-house screening program and we lose people in that uh, people don't make it through that process. And uh, we're looking at a huge investment. So we we need to do the best we can to ensure that we've got the right people on board, uh, not only from the trust and transparency and and just the value that they're going to provide to the community once we get them hired and trained, but also because it's a financial investment. It's huge. it's not it's not cheap. You know, it's well over a hundred thousand dollars to hire and train an officer, and then get them out on the street. And so, I sometimes I hear p- people talk all the time like, ah, "Yeah, you need to fire them." You know, the officer made a mistake; they need to be fired. And you know, it's like any other organization. If somebody does something so egregious that 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 they need to be fired in that first year, they can be fired. Or if they're just not cutting it they can be fired. They can be fired. You know, they're, you know, at will employees. But once they get hit that, that uh, beyond their probation with our merit board, once the merit board votes them in as permanent members of the police department, now they are protected by merit rules. Uh, And those rules are in place for a very specific reason, because you don't want any undue political influence to influence decisions that police officers make. They need to have the trust that their job is secure, and if they make the if they give the wrong person a speeding ticket or if they arrest the wrong person's son, that they're they're not going to get fired. Um, and also, that one of the things that that process really protects is against nepotism. You know, like the chief or you know, you hear these say, "Oh, he only got hired because he knows so and so or he knows so and so." You know what? Those things all did used to happen. And so when people talk about police reform, we need to reform the police. Well, guess what? The police have been reforming. And I think some of these old paradigms that people have stuck in their heads haven't existed, at least not around here, in 20 to 30 to 40 years. Um, We have reformed. It doesn't mean that there aren't things that we can improve upon and we should always be looking to improve moving into the future. But. There this is a process that has that has evolved over time and it's very thorough, it's exhaustive, and we feel really good about the people that we're hiring. So most agencies out there, and that's that quote that I want to bring back about Kevin Gilmartin, who's a pretty famous police psychologist, and it's it's you know, we we're pretty good about hiring good people to be good police officers. You know, what police departments have not been good about is keeping them that way. And that's because of the investment in the emotional and stressful toll that this job takes on people. And that's another episode, but maybe we can roll into that one on the next one. We've done a three part series on that before. I'd ask you to go back and listen to that. But this, this job is not easy. And anyone that thinks it otherwise uh, has been watching way too much television and, and hasn't spent enough time truly engaging in understanding what it takes to be a police officer in America today. And I tell you what, I'm proud of our profession. Do we have uh, discipline issues? Do we have issues from time to time where maybe we have people that are on the job too long uh, that didn't get terminated maybe when they should have? Absolutely. Those things do happen. Those are management problems. And those are the, the issues that need to be addressed in the professionalism of of the job. And those are all things that we've also done a tremendous amount of work on and improving, uh, in the last 20 to 30 years, which that's another topic that we can get to on another day. But I want to leave with one thing. I'm gonna leave you guys to chat here about some of these things. Uh, but I, I'm going to leave today just, just, uh, with one, the, the one thing I want people to understand is, is that, uh, we're doing the best that we can to hire the best that are out there. And, just because someone applies, or because maybe they want to be a policeman, doesn't mean that they get to be. Um, and you know, we break a lot of hearts in this process. There's a lot, you know, there's a lot of broken dreams um, of people that have wanted to do this job that just don't make it. Maybe they make it elsewhere, but they haven't made it here. And uh, once we get them here, it's our responsibility to do the best we can to train them, and equip them, and prepare them for all the things that they're going to face over a 20- or 30-year career uh, and then hopefully retire them healthy uh, so they can they can enjoy uh, their post-law enforcement careers.
0: Well said. Thank you, Chief. Thanks for the time. We'll,
2: we'll probably just wrap it up there, but I will say,
0: you know, if you're willing or if you know anybody that wants to be a police officer, if you want to, like the Chief said, we have eight vacancies right now,
1: right? Eight yeah. I mean, you know, and we, we can continue on. I mean, you know, Tom and Alan, um, if you guys have anything that you'd like to weigh in on this issue with,
3: I actually have to head
0: out too, but that's fine. You oh, I'll just, <laughs> Hey,
3: well, two <laughs> things really quick from just listening is from the it side. You, I mean, when you become a police officer in this agency, you need to be able to be comfortable with technology using a computer in the car, using a cell phone cameras, other electronic equipment. So when you're applying, that's kind of an initial test. Can you get to our website? Can you navigate? Can you fill out a form? Can you use this, that, and the other, we get a lot of people with insurmountable problems with that and can't make it through it. So, you know, you need to be comfortable with technology. Another thing that, uh, the chief kind of talked about was the physical fitness standards and in the army, you know, before you go in, you you have to pass this amount of push-ups, sit-ups, two-mile run. It's published. You know it. If it's the same with the police, if you have all these ahead of you that you know that you need to make, you need to be highly motivated to check that, know it, and get out and run and lose weight and get your BMI and be able to do everything that you need to do to pass that test. If you can't look at that data and make sure that you can exceed those standards before you go in – this is just one test of how hard it's going to be, and the test of motivation and what you need to do. Uh, the kind of people I think that you all are looking for.
1: Yeah, I think that I think that kind of goes to the seriousness of the applicant, right? You know, we talked about that earlier. If you're not if you're not willing to take a little bit of time, spend a few months uh, at least trying to meet the minimum standards on that physical agility test, then you know that that kind of shows a lot right there as to what your level of seriousness is to to be a police officer.
0: I agree, and I will say um, it's not the end-all, be-all. I mean, you can always come back and try again, and I respect the heck out of people who who recognize their weaknesses and then they show back up and they knock it out of the park. So it's not like you can't uh, show back up and try again. So, But good points, good points.
2: Alan, anything you want to add? Experience for hiring civilians is similar, too. We went through background and polygraph, um, not as – stringent. I didn't have to go in front of a merit board or captain's board, but um, I still got polygraphed, fingerprinted, background. It's it's the same for us. We, you hold the civilians to a higher standard than your average city employee.
1: You know what? That's interesting. That actually could be in a whole other podcast. We could talk about that. <laughs> and your history.
3: That's dispatch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dispatch hiring. yeah dispatch is hiring
1: and
0: school crossing guards we need those as well i'm glad you brought that up i'll be posting that on instagram today but that's a wrap we're looking for dispatchers cops and school crossing guards have a great day and we'll see you for episode four right
1: episode four
3: this has been inside the squad a podcast from the lafayette police department in lafayette indiana Inside the Squad is a community outreach podcast and is hosted by Sergeant Ian O'Shields and Captain Brian Phillips of the Crime Prevention Unit within the department. You can email us show ideas or questions at podcast at lafayette.in.gov. Join us on Instagram, Twitter, Nixle, and Nextdoor. Until next time, thanks for listening.